0: I'm Vince. And I'm Travis. And we're about to ruin your games and stuff.
1: This Travis!
0: Welcome to Undesign. Hear ye, hear ye. The Royal Travis reporting for the podcast. What's up, buddy?
1: Uh, nothing much, my loyal servant, Vince, <laughs> I guess. That feels weird to say. All right, so... Like, we're back for undesigned and stuff, and I rolled a thing, and it's royalty and the PCs. That's what I rolled. Um, I'm not 100% sure on what you meant when this one was uh, brought up. I, I Like, I, I suppose we could look at it from a lot of different angles, um, royalty and the PCs, royalty are the PCs, uh, royalty were the PCs, you know, I don't know. Tell me what we're talking about.
0: All of that and more, my friend, yes. I've got a couple different threads I want to pull. All of that there. and less. He's indeed Let's our staff our standard, our standard uh, line there. Yeah, so let's break this out into a couple threads, because I think you're exactly correct. Mm. Number one is the PCs either being or having been or coming from royalty. Okay. Uh, and this can take place in lots of different games. There's plenty of both fantasy and sci-fi games that feature royalty or kings or something like that mm. as fantasy, a... Fantasy,
1: sci-fi, modern, all of it has uh, that kind of stuff, that kind of vibe coming coming at you.
0: Hallmark makes at least seven Christmas movies a year about this. I married a
1: prince on Christmas Eve.
0: (laughs) So it's clearly a thing in any genre. And so, yes, this is what happens when the PCs are in some way royalty or related to them or descended from them or are So is it a
1: question of is it a good thing or is it just a – are we just going to discuss what the good points are and the bad points?
0: The good points and the bad points, absolutely, Mm. because – so let me set up something. There's a different topic we have that we'll eventually get to about okay. wealth, but I'm fascinated by the idea of characters having sort of wealth is kind of its own power set, right? It is, and and royalty often brings along with it both sort of political power and monetary wealth, although not always.
1: Right, and sometimes it's it's to to such an extent that it's comparable to magical power, like magical powers of I can. I can completely shift the economy if I choose to. You know what I mean? Like, and the entire world suffers.
0: Absolutely. Uh, Game of Thrones may have went off the rails by the end of it, but there was a scene in, I don't know, season five or six or somewhere where, mm-hmm. where Littlefinger is confronting Cersei, and he says, knowledge is power. and she says, And she turns to him and says, grab him kill him, to her guards, and her guards all grab him, and they're about ready to slit his throat, right? <laughs> and she says, stop, and then she leans in and she says, power, power is, is power, power. Yeah. you know? And it was just such a, a fantastic telling. line, it's and telling, telling, yeah, character-defining moment. That's the power of royalty, right? Like, uh, so I think that it's, it's just an interesting hook for a PC, and by the way, the most common way this gets sort of trotted out, I would suppose, is... Deposed, descendant of deposed royalty, Mm -hmm. where you have the title on a piece of paper and nothing else.
1: Right, you don't have the lands, you don't have the the military, you don't have any of that stuff.
0: Right. It's a sort of way to cheat it where you've got your name and And that's all it is. Yes. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that, right? That's a perfectly good hook for a story. But I think it's just as valid to have the PC be a prince or, or something like that, or literal royalty, a lord, a duke, a something. something. Well,
1: certainly brings a more more delicate um, ki- kind of thing to the to the situation, you know, storytelling wise. Like you really have to to be measured in as both as a GM and the person playing the character on how how, how you approach all these different things that normally you'd never have to think about that at all, right? You wouldn't have to think about oh well what 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 you do in the public here is going to have you know effects across the kingdom over there, uh, and things of that nature, right? Absolutely. So, so it, it really puts a lot more responsibility on the player and the GM during those kinds of those kinds of situations where the royalty aspect comes up.
0: Yeah, a hundred percent. I think that's what makes it so cool. It's a fascinating hook, right? Because. All of a sudden, you your characters do have to start behaving differently because, by the way, they might be in a foreign land where they don't actually have any political power, right? They, they might have a kingdom at home and, and troops they could marshal and decisions they could make, things they could do. But they're in a different place, and that kind of stuff could, if they act poorly, it can reflect or cause a war or ripple out or have consequences. If they act well, you know, it can have... It's just the opposite, right? And I think that sounds amazing. That sounds like such a great set of narrative hooks and motivations
1: for a player. So now, in in my in my experiences, GM um, players and even even myself, I, I I would say, have tended to lean away from that. Okay, um, they they generally stay they stay away from saying I'm I'm the prince of, of this place and I have all the power. You know what I mean? Right, right. Um, it just historically speaking, people don't even tend to think of that as an option um, from the get go. And I think what you're saying is it should be. And it absolutely people, should. People be. should think about it more, more often, um, and and that it should be a, a viable way to enter a campaign as an, as a noble or a royal or whatever.
0: Exactly. I think of uh, there was an animated series that was on Netflix. It's still it's still going. It's had three seasons, but it's called The Dragon Prince. Okay. And the two, two of the three protagonists are princes of a, of a sort. In fact, one of them is in direct line to inherit the throne of the kingdom. And as a matter of fact, in one of the seasons does. So minor spoiler, I guess, for the Dragon Prince, a show that's been out. Ooh. That season's been out for like a year so. If you haven't watched it yet, get on it. I won't say anything else. But uh, the point being is that those characters are literal royalty, right? <laughs> However, they're wandering in a foreign land, and all of these things I'm talking about come into play, political machinations and people wanting to Mm -hmm. use them as as bargaining chips and their actions having consequences and, and on and on and on and on. And as I watched that story unfold, I was fascinated by the nuance that they managed to pull out of that quite simple yet very effective and elaborate hook. And I thought this is something that I agree most GMS and players have shied away from, and they shouldn't, because it's such a cool concept. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, 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 and by the way, if we go back to the roots of arguably sort of our fantasy D and D genre, uh, you know, m- multiple members of the uh, the fellowship in the Lord of the Rings, right? They had, are
1: they are royalty, basically.
0: Yeah, had quite direct royal ties, mm-hmm. right? Uh, Aragorn is yes at the at the start he is sort of a king in absentia, right? He he is the the true king of Gondor, as it were. Uh, and I get it at the moment you might say, well, Vince, that's still just the disp- the deposed thing, and because he's being secret and blah 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 blah, but. Legolas is certainly a, a noble amongst his people, given his relationship with, with Thanduil, and, uh, uh, and Boromir is obviously the you know, one of the uh, sons of the steward of Gondor, right? right? So, like, these, these people have very direct ties to massive amounts of political power and or, you know, whatever you want to say, not necessarily wealth, although I would suspect Boromir is, as a matter of fact, quite wealthy— uh, but that becomes a hook, a motivation. That's why they're there, and it's relevant. But they're, when they're wandering in lands fighting orcs, it doesn't matter, you know, they're not anybody special from anybody else. Right. And it's interesting how it all then interacts, because they only then deal with more and more people as they meet Galadriel and, and Cele- uh, Celebrimbor, uh, uh, yeah. as they meet the leaders of the Golden Wood, right? And they meet Theoden King, and, and on and on and on. So... I think that the very roots of our fantasy role playing have those elements and yet we shy away from them because the idea is oh characters are supposed to sort of start from nothing and you're be a blacksmith or a town guard. And I I say that's fine. Mm-hmm. Nothing wrong with that. But why not also a prince or well, a Well that's interesting. Most
1: games most games uh, that are written um don't don't offer um, at least major royalty as an option. Like they don't even they don't even mention it as a possibility. Occasionally, I think like maybe in second edition there was a kit to be a noble.
0: Yep, there was. Or, or
1: something like that, or a table to roll on maybe, which gave you like you had like a couple hundred extra gold pieces or something if sure. you were a noble. I, I don't know. It was very minimal at best. Um, they were not. It was not something where, where it was like, you know, you you're the leader of a land. <laughs> you know, like like you, yeah, you, you're the one in charge. It wasn't anything like that. So they obviously don't want you to go there for particular reason, which I guess is they I, I suppose they're they're trying to lead new players away from being able to take advantage of the game itself um, for the, for themselves without considering the rest of the party or something. Like I can't think of why else they they wouldn't include this as as a primary
0: option, right? I would assume so because one, I, I guess they their thinking or the thinking would be it would allow a certain amount of, as we've said, wealth or power or influence. That would be inequitous in the rest of the party. Mm-hmm. And again, I say, who cares? That, well,
1: the guy, at, the guy who never does anything and you know just has a quarter staff probably cares. That I think that's the point that they like that they set out to say, right?
0: I suppose, but to me that feels like a so so okay maybe we it's, it's weak. weak. I agree. That's some weak tea. Because I we can if we want to we can slap a, a warning label on this that says warning you must be a mature, experienced player.
1: Which you, I would never want to really do in a book, but... To yeah. utilize
0: this option. I just mean we can say it verbally, right? Right, I, I, right. And then if I was going to actually write this into a book, I would literally write the discussion we just had as a sidebar, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, the character has wealth and political power, but if they just empty their coffers, then then their kingdom falls into ruin, right? If they... Uh, cause a big ruckus or try to abuse their political power, other nations will have something to say about that, and they risk war at, you know, at, at sort of the worst and, and the death of their people. Like, their decisions and actions will have elevated consequences to match their elevated power. This, yeah,
1: uh, edges and flaws, just at, at a higher level.
0: Yeah, I mean, mo' money, mo', mo problems, you know? So, I think that. I think it opens up at a really interesting dimension. I, I, one of the things that sort of clicked this in my head actually recently beyond that show was in the current game I'm playing, multiple members of the party were nobles, true like okay. nobles in the society. And they were rich, rich, like noble levels of wealth. They own land. They have vast amounts of wealth at their control. And you know what difference it made in the game? Basically none. Because the well, GM, I, ma- I imagine it could have added story threats. <laughs> oh, no, I'm sorry. What negative difference it meant in the game? Yes, it, it, yes, it okay. added. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I, you're right. I should have been more clear on that. It it only added to the game mm-hmm. because, sure, sometimes when we need to spend money, one of the rich characters would be like, "How much is that? A couple thousand gold? Okay, I can afford that, right?" And the GM would be like, "Yeah, of course. You're super wealthy. This doesn't even begin to dent your wealth." And we'd be like, "Great." But that we're not solving our problems often by going on shopping
1: sprees, right? I think I think even more importantly is generally when there's a, when there's a lack of um, like like noble representation or rich representation in in a party, um, you kind of lose sight of the actual poverty that many of the character types have to suffer through, right? right? Like a lot of these characters start from a from a level of poverty that when everybody's just that that. <laughs> that poor, it doesn't make any impact. It makes no difference. Like it's oh, everybody's the same. All right, well let's go fight some goblins, right? It doesn't matter. Um, but when you have a stark contrast of, of a noble and uh, of a street rat, well,
0: there there is a big difference there, and you can play off of it. Which is exactly what happened because you're you're oh, once did it again happen? you've nailed it. Yeah, no, that's so I'm good. I'm not in I'm, this
1: game, but I, yeah, all right.
0: I'm glad you brought up because that's exactly right. My character came from very humble sort of, you know, lower middle class kind of uh, background. And I had a chip on my shoulder about these rich people. And that played out a lot in the game for some, some cool, healthy, fun conflict, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it was great. It gave one more thing to have characters play off each other in, in a good way. So, yes, I think exactly you're, you're, you're dead on there. So I I think this is an option that should be open, but it's not the only thing I wanted to talk about. Oh, okay. Okay. So the other angle here. Part B. Part B. Part B to A something. Here we go. How the PCs interact with kings and lords and rulers Mm. in the game.
1: Yeah. Um, it is a, it is definitely definitely a, a thing a trope, I think at this point, right? Something like sure. that, um, like the Three Musketeers being the kind of a a thing, right? It's sure. it, it's they were they were wrapped up in royalty and yet not royal. Yep. Um every everything they did they, that they did was based upon something that happened. You know, dealing with royalty, um, and consequences and so forth happened because of royalty. Um, and other forms of royalty, like 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 religious powers and stuff like that, um, which is, to, to me just seems like other royalty. Whatever, it's different t- topic for a different time. Um, so it, it's certainly um, something that it can drive a campaign.
0: Absolutely. One of uh, I've mentioned this marathon many times on this podcast, but I ran a Musketeers marathon. It's great that you mentioned the Musketeers.
1: Well, we it's certainly the first thing that comes to mind when you, if you think about if you think about royalty, that's synonymous, right? Like that's that's absolutely because because it's it's obviously about people who aren't royal but care about royal.
0: Yes, where they served the king, protect the king, protect the queen, protect France, right? That's what that's what they were all about, and it was really fun and awesome to have the PCs be these sort of direct vassals of royal power mm-hmm. and sometimes make decisions that the king or the queen might not agree with and walk those lines. As I've as I mentioned before, in the very first game, one of the PCs decided to sleep with the queen, which meant <laughs> lots of interesting consequences, some, some, some turmoil could come out of that. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, and I just, I loved everything about that game because I think that sort of oftentimes adventures become these... Free-floating asteroids or comets just barreling their way through the universe of the game world, just smashing into everything, right? But it can be just as much fun to have them be a satellite, a moon that's orbiting, uh, you know, a planet of, of of great gravitational magnitude.
1: Well, it's certainly a different a different feeling than just we are we are the most important characters in the story at all times, as opposed to. We serve the most important
0: characters of the story the whole time, right? Bingo. Service. Yes. Absolutely. There's something very different about playing PCs that are servants, and you know, to a degree,
1: it's certainly he, what what draws people to playing stuff like knights and paladins and stuff like they 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 want right? to play that character that has a purpose that they can hold on to and that can cause conflict when they're when they're faced with a situation that goes against that whatever code that they're set out to you know follow.
0: Yep, absolutely. I would also put uh, many clerics into this bucket, mm-hmm. right? Because they serve a, a sort of higher power. They serve their god or whatever. But many characters aren't like that and have no no such attachment. And so I find it fascinating to, to flip the script, as it were, and give the PCs a North Star, because that's mm-hmm. what it is when you do this, right? There's always something guiding them. And The point that I want to drill in on there, because this really is uh, part 2B that we're about to go into, is when the PCs aren't attached to royalty serving them in the way that you've described, sort of a Three Musketeers game or or whatever, right? And instead, they are just the asteroid barreling through the universe, smashing into everything, waiting to cause an extinction-level event. They, Let me ask it this way. Instead of just going to my point, I'm going to ask you, have you ever, Travis, had your PCs meet a ruler of any kind <clears throat> okay. and act just a bit too entitled. Yeah, uppity uppity little liners. Yeah, they do. They do that. <laughs>
1: they they're they're like, we you know, we're we're awesome. We've been through everything and you're a, whatever, you're a king, you don't matter. You don't matter. I've got seventh level spells.
0: Right? Right, right. We want to speak to the king. The king is unavailable. But this is important. Right? Right. We're the PCs. You should listen to us. Yeah. Meh, meh, eh, eh. And they stomp their feet, right? Uh, I just freaked my dogs out. Uh, the the That attitude is so prevalent in so many games, right, where... PCs have this sort of self-entitlement. I, I,
1: I do. I understand it because this is also – obviously a lot of times these are power fantasies for playing. Sure. Like I get to be the hero, so I'm the one who's going to step in and demand things and whatnot. Um, but it's also good to have perspective, and you have to have the perspective of in most of these games that have royalty, royalty means something, and you should treat it that way to keep uh, – I'm going to say the word again, verisimilitude in the world.
0: Yes. I think that's exactly right. I think that the PCs, because they're the protagonists of the story, obviously, mm-hmm. right, and in many cases, it's very easy for them to feel that the world revolves around them, because, by the way, they've probably spent whatever amount of time being heroic, doing heroic things, saving people's lives. You know. And they
1: literally have someone across the table that's catering to their every need.
0: Right, <laughs> right, absolutely. So when they meet resistance from a uh, a figure, a character in the world who wields power beyond what they do as just sort of independent adventurer operators, whatever they happen to be, they oftentimes uh, will sort of chafe against that, I think. Mm-hmm. And I think if that's, I think one, as a PC, check your privilege. Uh, that's I probably one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, actually, is as the player, think about it, because you realize that what's going on in this sort of political system that you live under and, and what's going on here. And 2 don't act like a spoiled brat, I think, is probably unless that's you your character, realize. unless yeah, that's right. your character.
1: Yeah, because there are I've, I've, I've played with lots of people who've actually played those kind of characters and that works out. Um, but but have some have some notion, of course, of what royalty means in the world and, you know, treat it accordingly uh, as your character would. Uh, as opposed to just you know walking in like you own the place, obviously, unless that's that's how royalty is treated in the world at this point, because maybe there's you know this huge revolution and no
0: one cares anymore. I don't know. Sure. I'm not saying right now. But the no, I think that's exactly right, and and at the same time three, if you're the GM and you want the PCs to respect the authority figures of your world, then you have to set up the
1: started out early on. Yeah, you, yes. you need you need to immediately set out set out the notion. That the royalty is a big deal. People treat people treat them as such as a big deal, and then you show them, literally show them in the game that people of power treat the nobility as something greater. Yes. So, so you would you would see like, okay, here here is this great warrior from another land, but he is going to wait three days to see the king because that's how it's done.
0: Yep, absolutely. You yeah, it, I think you have to show it actually in practice. And you have to make it real in in ways that the PCs witness. I think this is one of those things that a game like Rifts does really well, because mm-hmm. as powerful and potent and often entitled as the the players are in a game of Rifts, where they're they're just such a collection of, of ultra-powerful individuals. Mm-hmm.
1: There's always something 17 times more powerful than you. <laughs> exactly. Okay, get that yes. through your head, because some, something out there will crush you like a bug. I don't care how big you are.
0: Yes, you can be super powerful and strong, and we're all real happy for you. Uh, Lord Splincrith can summon 50,000 power lords <laughs> in a half hour. Yeah. Okay. And they will pound you into atoms. So they, you won't even be able to be reconstructed from their bioscience. No, They'll you, destroy you so badly. you just so popped badly.
1: out in the alternate universe. That's what just happened. You got pounded into the alternate universe. So, yeah. Yeah. There's always something bigger. Um, right. It certainly certainly speaks to the, speaks to the power of, of rifts, and you have to like you really have to be on your toes in a game like that, where you just around any corner could be something like that, um, especially in places of power. You you know immediately in in a rifts game if someone has a seat of power, there's a reason.
0: Okay. Yeah, absolutely. You because because you, you don't hold on to power lightly, even if you don't know it. Yep. Yep. And so I think that for me the the interesting angle there is just I, I think that there's – as a GM, you can't just expect the PCs to, – to be fair to the PCs because I was kind of harsh earlier.
1: Yes, sure.
0: To be fair now to the PCs. To make a
1: point, Vance. We all forgive you for that.
0: Of course. To be fair to the PCs, you can't expect them to spin on a dime and not act like the center of the universe if you've spent seven or eight levels and X number of game sessions – treating them like the center of the universe have to
1: feel that way. Yeah.
0: Right. It would just make sense that they're going to continue acting as they always have where them being pushy and acting bold and stuff like that has yielded good results. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think you do have to set that stuff up early. You have to make the dimensions, the political power structures, the, the various power bases in the world. You have to be transparent about that and make it, Be something that the PCs are aware of and respect and understand through how you show them. Mm -hmm. And if they still don't, then maybe you need a power is power moment, Mm -hmm. right? right? Because that's the final backstop to this. The PC comes in and starts acting like Littlefinger and saying like, no, I am real powerful. You should respect me. And the leader's like, take them, kill them. Right? And, and then, a then stops. Grand
1: gesture show the meaning of grand gesture
0: right no power is power mm-hmm. right and I have it and you don't understand your place
1: so right? section section three okay what mm-hmm. do, do you think okay games ga- people who are making games who are going to create a new game building a new game they're writing their stuff up right yep they're 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 really getting into the nitty-gritty of what's going to be available to new players and things like that. Do you, do you do you think they should spend a lot of time thinking about how royalty within their world fits into the character generation and advancement and things like that? Like, should there be options up front, like front-loaded, in games where royalty is, like, a thing in
0: the world? I say yes, if the world makes sense for it, right? So, mm-hmm. clearly, <laughs> that's there's... What, that's
1: what I'm trying to say, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, because clearly there's, like, a... If we were in a sort of Shadow esque world, then then this is a nonsensical concept we're talking about for the most part, right? Although I suppose in that I case mean, I've you I've
1: already be... got it I thought <laughs> yeah. of a the thing there. I was like, Yeah, you could do it.
0: Sure. I guess the exception would be you're the the son of a, a powerful corporation of a megacorp, right? Of the the CEO of a megacorp.
1: Could or you I mean you could you could just be from England, right? And just <laughs> be
0: like sure. actual
1: Prince or something. Actual Prince.
0: Prince, yeah. prince
1: Harry or something, whatever. <laughs>
0: Nope, totally fair.
1: But my point he is that could just be- accidentally turned into a troll, so he's not, you know, as important in the family anymore.
0: Yeah, if you're doing sort of a noir detective game, then this kind of right, stuff right, doesn't right. matter as much, right? That's not—because that's not what the genre is about.
1: Right, there are games that, that just nobility is not a thing.
0: Yes, but I think in many other games, this is not only a concept that is cool and should be explored, but— should be something you have the option to do. I think about, I, an, oh, uh, like, I'll openly admit it's been uh, twenty-five years since I've looked at a game of Vampire or a Vampire oh, the Masquerade man. book. All right. But I remember when you and I played Vampire and, and you were allowed to make a character. One of the things you were allowed to spend your sort of character building resources on was your how close your bloodline was or something. You could yes. go back to fourth generation or something like that. It's I don't
1: hugely important. Yeah.
0: And, you know, not only did it make you more powerful, but you were effectively making yourself vampire nobility, as I understood it. And I just thought that was such a cool concept. And by the way, it fits really, really, really well in that world because it's all about competing power structures and clans and houses and groups that are all vying against each other in this sort of shadow game for power, right? It's
1: essentially political. Like, it's so essential to the game.
0: Yes, uh, I think of a game like BattleTech with the Great Houses of the Inner Sphere yeah. and, ha- and and those kinds of things. Like, what an awesome chance to play somebody who is in, you know, a, a high-ranking noble or royal member of the of House Steiner or mm-hmm. something like that. Like, that would be amazing. Like, what a cool element that adds to the game. So it's it's certainly not like this has to just be restricted to the fantasy genre, right? Uh, I think that this is absolutely something you should take into account. And by the way, then into the, like I mentioned earlier, I would include a sidebar, include that sidebar include those hooks and build into the game that when characters choose this sort of thing, whether you're building it as a background or something like that, you should be talking about the types of challenges, the types of opportunities and the types of narrative that's going to naturally evolve from making that choice
1: from yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah. Alright, well, I, I, I love that And I think I, I think I agree completely that um, You should definitely think about it As a front-loaded choice for your characters In a game that you're creating And overall, I think that's pretty much Royalty in the PCs Undesigned What do you think, Vince?
0: I think we covered it from every angle Undesigned Alright, well thank you very much everybody for listening We certainly appreciate it Hey, if you've got the time and you enjoy this Why not give us a rating or a review Something like five stars, if you will Over on iTunes, we appreciate that There's an email down below if you've got any questions or suggestions for future topics. We do love to see that. But as always, we thank you very much for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.